Misha here. If you enjoy our episodes on career pathways in healthcare or the STEM field at large, then I have the perfect podcast recommendation for you, Raising Health. Previously called BioEats World, Raising Health comes from leading venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz, the same team behind the acclaimed A16Z podcast. Each episode, Raising Health dives deep into the heart of healthcare, biotech, and AI with venture capital investors and A16Z general partners. Along the way, they explore the real challenges and opportunities in health and biotech entrepreneurship. So whether you're interested in building a new digital healthcare company or your company is advancing a new novel medicine, Raising Health sheds light on some of the opportunities and obstacles along the founder's journey. Not to mention, you'll hear raw insights, actionable advice from notable guests like Omada CEO and co-founder Sean Duffy, an AI expert and in situ CEO Daphne Kohler. Don't miss out. Follow Raising Health on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and tell them I sent you. A science story, huh? And I just thought, well, I figured it, out. it was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hi everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true stories of how science has affected people's lives. This week's story is from Anna Wexler. The story was recorded in December 2013 at Oberon in Cambridge, Massachusetts. The theme of the evening was, ouch. So I'm 17. I get into MIT. And the one thing I know is that I really want to study brain science. Now this is kind of funny because I grew up in an Orthodox Jewish home where science didn't exactly mesh with everything that we were supposed to take on faith. But there was something about being surrounded by all the religion that really got me interested in the brain because I was always wondering why people believed what they believed. So for years I read everything I could on philosophy of mind, free will, cognitive neuroscience. And by the time I get to MIT, I'm set. I want to be a neuroscientist. It just seems like the coolest thing you can possibly do. And MIT has this really neat program where undergrads can get class credit for doing research with neuroscientists. So freshman year, as soon as I get there, uh, I start working with a woman, um, a cognitive neuroscientist who studies how people think about other people. And to do this, she uses fMRI, functional magnetic resonance imaging, uh, which is basically a huge magnetic tube that allows you to take pictures of the brain over time. So I start working with this woman, and it's amazing because she actually gives me a say in the experiment. I help with the design and analysis. You know, she's like taking my feedback into consideration. Um, and I start to build up this professional relationship with her, which is awesome because I really want to be a neuroscientist. And as part of the research, I help her run these fMRI experiments. But before I can get near the fMRI, I have to undergo safety training. Because the fMRI can be really dangerous. It's basically an insanely powerful magnet, which means that if there's anything metallic in the vicinity, that object gets turned into a projectile and sucked into the fMRI. So in the safety training, they repeat one rule over and over again. No metal near the fMRI. No metal near the fMRI. 
And just in case you don't get the message, they show you pictures of what happens when you don't follow the rule, like office chairs and tables that have just gotten sucked into the machine and are suspended against it at weird angles. Now, it's not just these big objects that can be an issue. Smaller pieces of metal in or on the body can also be really dangerous. So you can't go into the fMRI if you have um, a pacemaker, cardiac stent, um, shrapnel in your body. And, and they even tell you a case about a guy who didn't realize that he had metal shrapnel in his eye and he went blind Yeah, after he went into the MRI. So, so right before a subject goes into the fMRI room, you do a kind of body scan on them. You, know? you even check the hair to make sure that if they have a ponytail, that the rubber, clasp, that the rubber uh, band doesn't have a metal clasp. No earrings, no jewelry, no metal. So I get my safety certification, and I'm running these experiments. And one week, um, sometime in my freshman year, uh, a neuroscientist in the department, uh, not the woman I'm working for, um, sends out an email looking for subjects for an fMRI experiment. And I don't know this woman well, but I, I kind of see her around. She's sort of affiliated with the, with the lab that I'm working in. And this is pretty common for neuroscientists to use subjects or colleagues, uh, as sub, uh, sorry, students or colleagues as subjects in the experiment, um, because you know they're going to show up on time. fMRI scan time is really expensive. It's like hundreds of dollars per hour, so every minute counts. So I write back to this woman, tell her I can do the experiment, um, figure it'd be a good way to make a quick 50 bucks, which when you're an undergrad is like a shit ton of money. Um, and she writes back the usual email asking if I have any metal in my body. Um, and I tell her that I have some piercings, but that it's not a problem to remove them. Now, I have two kinds of piercings. Those that are visible to the outside observer and those that are not. So on the evening of this experiment, I meet the neuroscientist at Mass General Hospital, which is where the scanners are located. And when I get there, she tells me that we've been switched to a scanner that has double the magnetic force of the one that I've been in or the one that I've run subjects in. This one is 3T, 3 Tesla, instead of 1.5T. So we go into the fMRI area, and this whole time I'm trying to like impress this woman, you know, show her that I'm part of the team, right? So she doesn't take out the scrubs for me. I go, I take out the scrubs, and then I go to a side room where I can change and I start to take out my piercings. I take out my cartilage ring, my earrings, my eyebrow ring, my nose ring, my tongue ring, and my belly button ring. And then I go to take out my labia piercing. Now the ring, which is metal, by the way, is shaped like the letter C, and between the two ends to close the gap, there's like a tiny metal ball that snaps into place. So to get the ring out, you just kind of apply pressure to the ball, just kind of pop it out. So I put my hands down there, apply pressure to the ball, but it doesn't move. I try again and again, but it's stuck. So I take a deep breath, you know, tell myself not to panic, that this ring will come out. So I put on my, put on my scrubs, and then I sit down on the toilet thinking maybe I just need to switch up my angle a little bit. And, and again, I apply pressure to the ball, but it doesn't move. I push, I pull, I try putting cold water on it, I try putting hot water on it, 
but it's stuck. Now I'm getting nervous. Just then, the neuroscientist knocks at the door. Almost ready? She sounds anxious, and I look at the clock, and it's just a few minutes before scan time. Now, at this point, I can come clean, you know? I can tell her that I'm having a bit of an issue here, you know? But I don't. <laughs> Instead, I'm like, yep, be right out. And then I completely panic. I'm searching the room for anything I can use to get this thing out. I empty out my backpack and find pens and pencils, and I'm just like jamming them against the piercing, like just trying to get this thing out. <laughs> but it's stuck. <laughs> I size up my situation, and I figure there are two ways to go. <laughs> I can go out there and tell this neuroscientist that I have a piercing on my vagina which would be completely mortifying. Also, it's too late for her to find a replacement subject, so this is going to cost her nearly $1,000 in scan time. You know, and I, I think about what will happen if I tell her, like, here I am, I'm, I'm a freshman, I'm actually running these fMRI experiments, you know? And I've just started to get in with all these neuroscientists. Like, I'm a step ahead of the game here. Like, I, I'm looking at questions about the brain that are unknown to humanity. And, and if I go out there and tell this neuroscientist about my piercing, I know that word of this is going to get around the department, it's going to get around the lab, and it's definitely going to get back to the neuroscientist that I've been working with. And I am sure it's going to destroy everything that I've been working so hard to build up. Or I can go into the fMRI <laughs> with a piece of metal, not just in my body, but in my vagina and risk having a 3T magnetic force, whatever that means, yank this ring right out of my skin. I decide to risk it. <laughs> I walk out of the changing room and the neuroscientist is really frantic because it's already six o'clock, you know, so she doesn't do the whole head to toe scan. She's just like, you're good to go, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. So we go into the fMRI uh, room, and the way you get into the fMRI is you lay down on this um, stretcher thing, and the stretcher moves into the scanner. So I lay down on the stretcher, and she's getting me all set up, and in my head I'm just, I'm just completely losing my shit, and I'm thinking about all those extreme fMRI photos, that, fMRI photos that they showed us in the safety class, you know, those office chairs and tables, and I've just gotten sucked into the machine, and I'm picturing my piercing, you know, like turning into a projectile, ripping through the skin and shooting out of my vagina. <laughs> and, and I wonder, like, maybe the, the fMRI will make the magnet really hot, melt it down into, like, a hot, bubbling mass, you know? And I'm pretty sure I'm going to be one of those textbook cases, the kind you read about and are like, how could that person have been so fucking stupid? <laughs> so she finishes getting me set up, and just as she's about to press the button to get the stretcher moving into the scanner, she gets a really worried look on her face. And I think, fuck, she knows. <laughs> and, and she looks at me and she's like, are you wearing an underwire bra? And I'm like, yeah, but I, I've gone in with them before. And she's like, yeah, normally it's okay, but this is the 3T. But then she looks at the clock, and it's already really late, so she's like, okay, you know what, just, just go in with it, but 
If it gets uncomfortable, press the emergency squeeze ball. So she presses the button, and, and the stretcher starts moving into the scanner. First my head, then my neck, <laughs> then my shoulders, and then I feel my bra like levitate upwards and start to move around like someone's twisting it from both sides. And I've never felt this before in the scanner, and I think, fuck, if that's the bra. <laughs> Then my torso, then my belly button. <laughs> and then I feel the piercing start to move on its own. <laughs> and then it gets warm, and then it gets warmer, and then it gets hot, which is a very weird sensation, by the way. <laughs> and suddenly, my whole body is inside the scanner. But I'm not relieved because I have a whole two-hour experiment to get through. And I know that the magnet works a little differently in the beginning, you know? It takes pictures of the general anatomical shape of the brain before the experiment actually starts. And I'm just trying to remember what I learned in safety class, like is the magnet stronger at this part, you know, versus the experimental part? And I'm, I'm thinking about the level of burning that I can endure before I have to press that squeeze ball, you know? Like something minor, like a first degree burn, that, that I can take, you know? That I'm, I'm just gonna deal with that. But, but anything more than that is going to be really hard to explain to future boyfriends. <laughs> so I, I have all these like tragic scenarios running through my head, and all I know is that both my vagina and my neuroscience career might simultaneously explode. <laughs> the task was called a two-back, where you're shown a whole bunch of images, and you have to press a button if the image that you see on screen is the same image that, that you saw two images beforehand. And it's a really attention-intensive task, right? Because these images don't stay on for more than a few seconds. It's just like flashing at you the whole time. And I'm trying really hard to pay attention for two hours, but all I can think about is my piercing. In the end, I survived. And I'm happy to report that my labia is in good working order. <laughs> I don't think my brain provided any good data for the experiment, though given that it was focused on my vagina the entire time. <laughs> Later that week, I had to go to the piercing store to get the ring removed. The guy had to use pliers. Thank you. That was Anna Wexler. Anna is a documentary filmmaker and writer currently pursuing her PhD at MIT in the Science, Technology, and Society program, where she is studying the social and ethical implications of neuroscience achievements. She was selected as a 2007 to 2008 filmmaker in residence at WGBH to work on her debut feature documentary, Unorthodox, which follows three rebellious Orthodox Jewish high school teenagers throughout a transformative post-high school year in Israel. For more science stories, take a look at storycollider.org, where we have archives of the podcast and upcoming events. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Weck, Darren Barker, and Ari Daniel. The podcast is produced by Rose Eveleth. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to Oberon for hosting the show, and to all the reasons I have no piercings. For reasons. Thanks for listening.
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.